0: Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor, and I'm a competitive bodybuilder.
1: Hey, folks, Rob Fortress-Fortney here, former editor at MuscleMag International, former competitive bodybuilder, and strength training enthusiast, powerlifter. And it's my birthday. Woo! <laughs>
2: um, this is Phil Stevens. I'm a strength coach, competitive powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, founder of org and the new StrengthGuild.com, and I'm a part-time gynecologist. <laughs>
0: Oh man, oh. Oh, I can't. can't. Oh, man. <laughs> all right, let's you back spindle? up. <laughs> let's back up to the strength to strength event. I know, Phil, you've been working on a flyer. Maybe tell listeners a little bit about what's going on this this June.
2: Yeah, what we got going on is uh, we're all headed to Vegas, and when I say all of us, um, kind of fourteen of your uh, the best in the world of strength and nutrition. Um, it's going to be in June. Uh, should have the flyer out, ready to sell, hopefully tomorrow. Um, there's 14 of us, and eight of us are bald, so that tells you something about how strong we are. Sweet. Um, <laughs> and just in general, I mean, I can just read you off here. It's, uh, you know, rarely in fitness and bodybuilding strength enthusiasts given the opportunity to sit with top writers, athletes, professors, and co-hosts in the field to ask the questions they want to ask. Here's your opportunity and this was, and if this wasn't enough, there'll be special guests also. Um, and unlike most seminars, afterwards discussion can and will continue on over fine food and drink. We're all going to go to a buffet. Um, this is your opportunity, like no other, hosted by "Been There, Done That" folks who will give you the answers you crave, straight with no bull.
1: That sounds great. Who wrote that?
2: I don't know. I don't know. I bet he was bald.
1: Well, you know what? Actually, by the time I hit Vegas, man, I should have uh, my new piece should be ready. So oh, I should have a nice, yeah. nice
0: full head of hair. <laughs> I'm gonna do Hair Club for Men. I'm gonna move my goatee up to the top of my head. What do you think? Yeah, man, do a goatee comb over. Harvest my chin. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just foolishness. <laughs> okay, well. Uh, listeners, we, we wanted to have, uh, John Davies on today, which is an, obviously John's a noted strength coach and partly responsible for part of the, um, functional training, um, popularity. And, and he has some different thoughts on all that, but being in Paris, Skype is failing us badly, uh, trying to talk to him over there. He sounds, you know, we were joking like what was Phil saying, a, a robot choking on a magnet. <laughs> so. Instead, we're just going to touch on a topic uh, among the three of us because on several episodes we've discussed some of these what I call hidden intangibles or skills that uh, people develop over the years. And with Rob's birthday now, him being a colossal 41, uh we've got decades now pretty much under our belt. And what we want to talk about, I've got just five or six different things here, and we may not even give you anything specifically, you know, that you can exactly translate to yourself. But these are skills that I think you need to learn to listen to your body. Because uh, you hear that all the time, but nobody really says how or why. So I'm going to throw out the first question here. And again, all of these are intangibles. There's really no right or wrong. But Fortress, what about you? Especially being in your 40s, you know, with injury risk and all that kind of stuff. How do you know when you're too injured Versus, it's something you could still go into the gym and try to work around. Any thoughts on that? That's a really hard question, to
1: be honest with you. Um, you know, it, much like the old cliche is saying, you know, you have to, uh, you know, find yourself when you get to a certain age and all that. You really, it, it comes down to also just um, not only the the mental aspect of who you are as a person, but kind of, you know, your your limitations and um, knowing when you can push, when you should hold back. Um, and these are things that really, it's like you say, it's almost undefinable about how you know you just come to a point after decades of training when you know. Um, I find that most people who are, you know, the average person out there who are sedentary, you know, they, they're just a bag of bones that don't have any coordination whatsoever. They have no kind of self-awareness of their physicality. Um, and that if, if anything, I think that being an athlete, one of the the greatest things that you you benefit from is is just that that physical awareness that that comes with years and years of you know having that kind of close association with with you know um, your performance and what your body can do and can't do and you know what it can potentiate and all that kind of thing so again i mean I'm, i'm kind of skirting the issue here just because like i say it's very undefinable really it's it's one of those things where you kind of just know when you can go and when you can't go but it's a slow process i mean You know, to define the difference between, as we were talking about earlier before the show started, you know, what is lazy and what is you should actually just stay home. Um, I was just talking to a guy in the gym the other day, and I was saying to him, I used to agree with the whole concept of you know, um, you know, go for broke or just go home, kind of a thing. Whereas now I've kind of changed my opinion on that. Sometimes there is a time to stay home. Sometimes there's a time to go to the gym and just you know hit the gas. And there's sometimes where. It, you're kind of in between, but you know you you benefit massively from going to the gym. But you just and the phrase I always use now is just you're only going with the purpose to just move um, move some blood around, um, mm-hmm. which can which can facilitate a lot of, you know, sort of a very therapeutic type thing. Um, but yeah, it, it kind of is just the way you feel. I mean, if you're if you're feeling your body will let you know. It will. And again, the language it speaks, it might take a long time for you to kind of uh, learn to uh, interpret that, but it, it does eventually come where you. it, it, it does really speak to you and it, it'll tell you what it wants to do. And
0: So, Rob, like pain or weakness in a lift or are both of those things or is it something um, else? I wouldn't say weakness
1: at all. Um,
0: certainly, if, if you're finding
1: that your coordination within a lift um, is not. Close to the standards that you're used to, that can indicate something that's not necessarily injury, but, you know, maybe like a, you know, your, your nervous system or something that is totally shot. But certainly any weight, like serious weight bearing exercise, which is primarily what, you know, we discuss as strength athletes and so forth, um if, if there is just an inherent, when, when something feels like it's gonna go, it probably is close to going. And you could probably just, to talk about that too, Lonnie, because a few years ago you suffered that horrific triceps injury. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you, and again, this is something that it's almost, it's almost like this, you know, when you first start out, you don't know how to read yourself, but as you've said many times, you're, you're kind of not strong enough to kind of do that much damage to yourself anyway, you know? So, uh, even if you do hurt yourself, you're hurting yourself with a, you know, a 20 pound dumbbell or a, you know, something like that. Oh, yeah, but, good mean, point, yeah. You know so I mean or you you're, you're you know you're wiping out with one hundred and fourteen pounds fifteen pounds in the squat, which I mean you of course you can still hurt yourself, but I mean it's all relative right whereas so in that way um you know I always say it's kind of a weird thing the older you get, the stronger you get, but the more mileage your body has, so you have to be more conscious of that because you're putting more and more stress on a system that's had more and more mileage, so that's kind of the downfall in that way. But the good part is, as you get stronger and stronger and stronger, you do become more adept at, at listening to your body and understand the language it gives you. So, you know, those days where you do have or five 600 pounds, you know, in your hands or in your back or something like that, you know, you really can understand, like, am I lazy? Am I weak today? Should I go home? Should I dump the weight? Or should I just, like,
0: should I just literally back off this? Right. Now, before, I'm going to ask Phil some – Phil's got a good point I wanted to bring up from a past episode. But let me ask you this, Rob. You and I have talked quite a bit about this is you talk about how after you, you've got several years under your belt, you sort of build compensatory systems. You know, like you can feel a bit of an injury, but I don't know, structurally, uh you know, the soft tissue or the bone structure, whatever it is going on around that injury – is going to take up some of the slack, at least enough that you can try to uh, cautiously rehab it. Right? I'm not telling anybody to lift through a, an injury with severe pain. That's stupid. But you you do develop these sort of compensatory systems, and maybe you can share people you know, your thoughts with that with the listeners. Yeah. Well, I was actually just discussing this with somebody just
1: last week, the whole concept of um, you don't want to just be strong – You know, in in the perfect biomechanical positions that you you know train those several you know um, all important lifts. You want to be just strong, period. You want to be. Brute strong. And I know Phil knows exactly what I'm talking about because when you're, when you're at a, you know, a, a maximum weight or you're push, really pushing yourself, there's a high likelihood that your mechanics are not going to be 100% perfect. Certainly the deadlift, that's almost always true. Um, and, and again, Phil knows exactly what I'm talking about. When you're going for a, you know, an all out maximum lift, I mean, things are going to, structurally things are going to start falling apart. The only difference between, you know, the, the possibility that you're going to, you know, um, survive it without injury or or the opposite side, almost certainly injure yourself. Is the fact that is your whole body, is the whole system strong? Is there any weak link in there? Because again, when stru- when structures start falling apart, you want you want other things to be able to be strong enough to, to to, as you say, take up the slack and and kind of keep you at least from completely tearing yourself apart. Um, mm. I mean, you look at football players like, you know, professional football players who play whole games with like blown out, like, you know, connective tissue in their knees and stuff. And, you know, it, the only reason they could do that is because they're, you know, the musculature around the joints and so forth is so, so developed that it almost takes over the thing. I mean, I won't name names, but there was a professional bodybuilder several years ago. He's retired now, but um, he was really big, a big, strong presser. He used to overhead press over 400 pounds all the time and stuff like that. When he finally kind of started. Weaning off the gas, um, he started feeling incredible, incredible pain in the shoulders. When he went to the doctor, he found out that there was almost the doctor said there was like no cartilage left in the shoulder at all. Um, You know, I mean, it's one of those things where you know hyper muscle and powerful muscle and and like you say, um, the word you use compensatory, whatever Mm -hmm. um, the structures they develop to such a degree that you really literally are tough. You know, there's there's what there's what I refer to as tough guys of which I want no part of that and then there's guys who truly are tough um yeah. you know people who are physically tough um and when you're talking about somebody who's a high level um bodybuilder strength athlete highland games whatever you powerlifter you're talking about people who are more likely than not Extremely tough people. um They're just they're built like tanks, you know. Because nobody gets to a level where they're at the elite level in powerlifting or weightlifting or anything where that where they they're not tough. Because you will just blow apart.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to share a quick story, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Phil something, and I, I know Phil will run with this. Uh, recently, I I was really reminded that not only can you decide if there's an injury that's something that's nagging versus you know, requires medical attention and time away from uh, uh the gym. But I was doing uh what I consider, you guys will laugh, but heavy uh dumbbell shrugs. You know, I was doing farmer walks up and down the gym. I'm trying to focus on my upper back because I think it's a weakness. And I was doing, and I would walk up and down the gym just with like 120, 130 pound dumbbells, but that's a lot for me. And I'd walk up and down the gym and then I would crank out some, uh shrugs. And Rob, you know where I'm going with this. I relaxed at the bottom of the shrug. And I know Fortress always says, don't do that. I read an article recently you wrote. And that's what I did. And crank, there goes my right clavicle. But you know what? I actually thought that's about a two to three weaker. You know, that's a nagging injury. I'm going to be very careful because I know what I'm doing, but I'm going to work around it. I'm not going to exacerbate it. Um, and here it is about two weeks later, and it's really on the mend. So, I mean, it's amazing that over time you can, in fact, sort of identify not just what's a catastrophic injury versus a nagging one, but you can almost time frame it, which I think is extremely kind of cool. And I'm not sure how I do that. Maybe it's pain level. It's not like I'm writing down, oh, it's a 7 on a 10 scale. Don't go do that. You know, There's something else about that, like you were saying, Rob, surrounding muscles or – I don't know, antagonist muscles or a sisters, whatever it is, soft tissue, something saying, listen, you were stupid, you got her a little hurt, but it's gonna straighten up. Um, you know,
1: no matter, no matter, um, how, how you want to play it, sometimes you just have to back away from it. You know, um, let's face it, you know, the repetitive nature of, of weight training largely and, and this, just the sheer, brutal stress that, you know, if you are hardcore, um, inflicts on you. Sometimes, and, you know, Lonnie and I have talked about this. I hurt my, about, I don't know, about two, three months ago, my, I was doing a lot of heavy benching and pressing and my right elbow and, and, uh, shoulder was starting to, I always call it just getting hot. It was getting hot, which could be an inflammation, could be just, I think it was just, it's just overuse. You're just doing too much, too hard, too often. And... Sometimes you just have to stop. And I didn't do any triceps or pressing exercises at all for almost three months. And I just got back to it a couple of weeks ago. And I've lost minimal strength and um, very minimal strength, actually, surprisingly. And, you know, and, and I, I, I fully believe that if I had just kept going or trying to, you know, circumvent the problem, it just it just would have continued to not only not get, um, heal but just got worse and worse. Oh, Sometimes it could
0: derail you your whole training. You know what yeah, I, sometimes
1: you, you, you just have to stop. Sometimes you can train around it. Sometimes you can still train the same movements, but just do higher reps and just until the pain right. threshold, you know, just again to use the phrase again to move blood around. And sometimes you just have to make that executive decision just to stop doing that mo- motion for like one, right. two, three
0: months. Sometimes and, you can find a similar motion, like you know, Arnold used to do those Arnold presses where he would just supinate his hands at the bottom of a military press. Or like I found that I could do low rack pulls. As long as I kept my traps tight and I didn't relax at the bottom, you know, because I wasn't about to re-injure, I could do rack pulls with a a medium amount of weight, whereas I would not be doing dumbbell shrugs again. You know what I mean? So there, there's related movements I think you can do.
1: Of course. And, you know, and it ultimately comes down because most of us don't have the luxury of having, you know, like a high-level trainer. And quite honestly, historically – in the, I mean, the whole concept of a coach in bodybuilding, certainly in bodybuilding, but, you know, even, even in things like, um, I'm not so much a weightlifting, but, you know, in powerlifting, that, it's, it's still, it's only now becoming kind of more trendy to actually have a coach. Like, in Lonnie, you know what I'm talking about, bodybuilding. I mean, the whole phenomenon of the guru or the nutritionist working with the guy or to have a trainer like Charles Glass there telling you what to do in the actual gym. That's sort of still a relatively recent phenomenon. I mean, so, and, and most of us don't have that. So most of us just have to go with observation, what we've accumulated as far as knowledge over the you know our experiences in the gym, and, and experiences with injuries. And you will get hurt. If you are hardcore enough and you are um, fierce enough and dedicated and consistent enough, you will get hurt. Right. Now, the only thing you can do is do everything you can to minimize the severity of the injury. And thankfully for myself, I've never been catastrophically hurt. Um, I just usually again things get what I again I consider just getting too hot. Things get a little too hot and you just back off for a little
0: bit. Well, I think um, also it's there's a, the psychological toughness. You do build physiological toughness, like you were saying, but you've also got to have a little bit of psychological toughness. And I don't mean working through it in you know in pain because as a general rule, right. don't do a movement that hurts. But. No. But you know what I mean? So you're like, okay, got the nagging injury. Like, I I think if I was 22 years old when I just hurt my clavicle, I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm in the middle of a competition cycle. I'm hosed. I'm hosed. Game over, man. And, (laughs) you know, and it wasn't like that. I'm like, okay, I got about two weeks here. This sucks. But
1: anyway. Well, yeah, and that's, again, that's a maturity thing, though, isn't it? I mean, you're kind of like you're battle weary. You know, you have, I always say, injuries are like battle scars. You know, it's. Um, You learn so much from injury, so much, Um, not only about, again, your limitations and what kind of signals you should be looking for, for the potentiation of an injury approaching to just things like, again, your pain tolerances and, and you know, um, movements that might not be right for you, um, ways to manipulate specific movements and exercises to better accommodate your biomechanics. I mean... I always say to people, you know, there really are hard and fast rules for weight training, but within the margins of that, there's just endless amounts of nuance that applies to, you know, individual to individual to individual. But you have to, it, it, like it's been said in certain, you know, I first read the quote actually by Billy Sheehan, the bass player. Um, he once said, you know, before you break the rules, you got to know what the rules are, yes. you know, and, and I know, yeah, I know Phil, Phil totally knows what I'm talking about. Well, let me, you let have me. To,
0: oh, yeah. Okay. I was say, no, I, I,
1: you have, you have to know the rules before you can break them, so I tell kids you know try and be textbook on everything you do, even if it looks ridiculous and stiff and awkward. try and be ridiculously textbook on everything, and then after you've been doing that for several years. Then you'll have the experience and the maturity and, and, and just the knowledge base to be able to start manipulating and, and, and kind of the, those fine nuances of any given movement, and you can start tailoring them. I mean, I have seen lots of very high elite level lifters, bodybuilders, powerlifters do things that I would never suggest a beginner look at and say, duplicate that. Yeah, but you know what? You know damn well that the person's not doing it because they're a bad trainer. I mean, in some cases, of course, they are. But, yeah. but you know, but in a lot of cases, it's not because they're a bad trainer. It's that they're doing that by design? You know, like the guys who go in the gym and they do like, you know, they don't touch the bar, all, the bar all the way to their chest. They don't do that by design. They do that because they're either a lazy, b somebody, somebody who didn't know anything told them that's the way to do it. You know, they're. Then you see guys like me doing things like floor presses and stuff and people say, well, you're doing the same thing. It's like, yeah, but I'm doing it by design. I have a methodology behind why I'm doing it. I
0: understand why I'm doing it. And that's the whole thing. You well, look to- at Tom Platts. You know, I do Platzian movements where like if I'm doing flies, I'll bounce at the bottom. When I can't get any more reps, I'll bounce for like five or 10, you know, quarter reps or something, Probably people are probably thinking, what the hell is he doing, you know? I mean, look at some of this old Tom Platt's videos. He is really out there in the whole mind and the muscle thing, you know? Oh, yeah. and, well, it's the whole concept of the cheat principle, right,
1: which, of course, is another principle Weeder Weider tried to uh, claim was his. But, you know, a, a beginner will look at the whole concept of cheating as something to make a set easier, you know, where somebody who understands why and what the cheat principle is for understand that it's only uh, a technique to use to actually um, prolong a set and, and, and you know, and, and apply extended, you know, stress on the muscle well beyond the point that they have actually the form has started to break down. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, those are huge things. I mean, cheating can be a wonderful thing, but if you're cheat, cheating on your barbell curls from the first rep on, you've missed the point of what
0: it's about. Yeah. All right. I, now,
2: I think this is also, I just want to touch on the, Yeah, know the rules before you break them.
0: Yeah, that's where I wanted to go with you, Phil. That's actually what I was going to ask you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's just something that I that's been coming up to me a lot lately, and it's something I've I've written about, and I've just been questioning myself on. Is, you know, all these things we tell people, it's I don't know, I'm not sure yet if there's a way to to learn it without living it first. Like, how do the only reason we know those days that we should stay home is the fact that we went on those days a few times.
0: Yeah, and got burned. Yeah. You know,
2: and and got yeah. burned. And that's, now that's it's in our vocabulary point. now. And that's the same thing, I mean, people talk about I talk about it, you know, not failing. You know, I don't go to the gym and I don't fail reps. You know, there was three years there where I never missed a deadlift rep. And I don't like clients to do it either. But, you know, in that beginning stage, I think, you know, it, it's you don't know what failure is. Right. And, you know, people are usually not only physically weak, they're mentally weak. And they just don't know how much they can, their brain can ask their body to do if they allow it. So, I mean, there, there's a place for it. And that's, that's where it gets all fuzzy. But, um.
0: Well, that's, let me, let me go with that more on you, Phil. Cause, you know, I know you've said stuff before, like, you know, when you're a beginner like that, sort of everything's wrong, you yeah. know, and you, you just don't have any frame of reference. Um, but what about like this idea? And I think Rob touched on it was about you're really too weak when you're a beginner anyway. Right. So, I mean, if your your theory is literally this sounds almost insulting to beginners and I know you're not, but that, you know, everything is wrong and you're too weak to really hurt yourself.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah. And, you know, you get beginners coming in, especially now in powerlifting and they see they see people like myself doing doing rack pulls high out of the rack or doing this partial movement or adding bands and chains and stuff like that. And they're like, well, I want to do that. When do I add that in? And it's like, man, you add that in when you know you have a weakness and a reason to add it in. Right now you're just weak. All, your whole system is weak. Yeah. You don't, <laughs> right. you don't, you don't have, have to specialize, yeah. 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 And you know, that's add things when you when you when you need to, not just a willy nilly here and there. That's
0: a great right. point. I mean somebody's in their first six months of lifting and they're like, Oh yeah, I'm working on my lockouts. So you're like, all right, listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean, you're locking out like one eighty five.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let's get some meat on the on that sternum there, buddy.
2: Yeah, and it's that type of thing. And then, you know, back to the when do we stay out of the gym, that's something that I'm dealing with right now and it's you know, I did a, a nice little Q and A with Dan John yesterday and I just asked him about it and I'm facing what now is called, I guess, the Olympic flu. Um, it's after a meet. You know, you got all these months coming up to a meet or competition or or whatever you're in, and you're riding on that endorphin high that's ever increasing coming up to the meet. Yeah. And and you peak, and then after the meet, you just boom, you plummet. And you know, I'm I'm I got a cold. I went in last week and I did overhead press and missed a weight that was 35 pounds less than my PR. Hmm. Uh, stuff like that. And I know
0: stale. Yeah. You're going stale, you know, you start I getting like my 10 or 15% not my
2: body's not in it. And, but I know that what I need to do now, you know, I took two weeks off is just go punch that clock. And I know that what I'm expressing now in the gym, isn't my true ability. And just by punching the clock and doing what I can do, it's going to make me stronger yeah. in the long run. And I'm going to come out of this slump. Um, but I also knew that taking those two weeks off, was the right thing to do. You know, after right. a week and a half, I got in the car and I started driving to the gym. It's a 45 minute drive. I made it halfway there and I turned around and came back. Yeah. You know, I was just, I, just not ready. You know, it's I was funny, just yeah. going to hurt
0: myself. You just, you well, I know that, that all,
1: all three of us have done that because I, certainly I've talked about that, you know, those times. And it happens usually two or three times a year for me where I will literally go in the gym and I'll walk in the front door and sometimes I don't even make it to a first set. <laughs> I will literally turn around and walk back out again. Yeah, um, and again, that, that's never for uh, guys like us who are who actually love the process. That's never a function of laziness. No. That's just again that kind of a, that brutal no, all all knowing about your physicality and walking in there, and you're just like something is not right. Today. Oh, it's the opposite. So
0: it's a, you know, it's in, oh yeah, it, it's, it's bitter. Hard. You you're bitter when you walk out. You're you're not like yay, I don't get to lift. I get away with not doing this. Yeah, it, it's exactly exactly the opposite. You're like God dang it. And
2: that that type of thing, I think, is gained in time. I think it's gained in, you know, those first few years where we went in the gym no matter what, and we hit every session. You know, and then after you've got that background and that foundation, you learn, and then you're able to know, yeah, I don't need to be here today. You know, and then it's not laziness.
1: You know, that's the whole concept of, you know, and Dorian Yates, I know, used to use the the phrase a lot, you know, the the whole concept of um, instinctive training. You know, and he used to kind of, you know, rail against that, saying, you know, in Dorian's kind of heavy accent, you know, Birmingham accent, he'd be like, there's no such thing, there can be no such thing, because if a human being was being instinctual, they would never be in the gym train, they'd be down at the pub drinking beer. Um, <laughs> but I do understand the whole concept, because, I mean, Victor Richards, um, who some might remember, who was one of yeah. the kind of original freak freaks of mass that actually never, um, I think he won the Ethiopian Championships for a pro card, and he never actually competed in the pros, but... I mean, this guy was way ahead of his time in mass in the late 80s and so forth. And he used to always talk very much about instinctual training. And, again, although, yes, instinctually it might not be the right word for it, he used to say, you know, sometimes I'll train legs three three days in a row, and then I won't train legs again for two and a half weeks. You know, the whole concept of you kind of go when you know it's time to go. That's why kind of following a program sometime, and we've talked about this at length several months ago, I know um sometimes following a program um is very difficult because again you're not taking into account that you know yeah you you might have went lighter the week before because the program said to but that was easy uh, or that was hard and now you're actually heavier the next week on the next week of the program but now the heavier weight is actually easier than the week prior because again people are not taking into a fa- uh, in that kind of scenario people are not taking into account the fact that again we're we're, we're organisms that day to day minute to minute change so rapidly and you know, so yeah. although I totally think that, you know, to really get anywhere, you do need to kind of have some sort of structured program. Yeah. There has to be a margin. There has to be a margin for allowing yourself sometimes to deviate a little bit, yeah. you know, and deviate for all the right reasons, not the wrong reasons.
0: Hey, you know, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, go Phil.
2: I was just going to say, I think, you know, I address this from a from an athlete's perspective and then also a coach's. I do agree it on, on an athlete's perspective i can train pretty much instinctually i know when i don't need to be there when i can back away when i can take those extra days off it's very hard from a coach's perspective dealing with clients and writing them programs um because a lot of them really they just don't know it enters for people early on it it does it enters a a little void there where you can enter laziness in and confusion so yeah you know i'm not a big fan of Total periodization, where here we're going to lay you out for six months straight, and you're going to know what to do. Because you know I can't forecast how you're going to feel next week, right? But uh, but the, the whole instinctual thing goes the other way, you know. And then you got people walking out of the gym when they don't need to, and this and that. And it's I, I think you got to kind of marry it. You need to have this plan, and then
0: escape routes. Well, if you talk about like, if you talk, I actually like, like
2: that phrase, by the
1: way. Sorry, I like that phrase. You have to have the plan, but you also have to have an escape route. I like that.
0: Yeah. No, it's good. I was just going to point out that if you remember, it might have been Mike Menzer who used to talk about metabolic momentum. And this is where I think guys who compete on a fairly regular basis, they build some of this in, you know, because you can get this sort of intangible notion of metabolic momentum. You know, you're stoked. Something's coming up. It's a slow burning building excitement. And that kind of stuff, whether you're being instinctual and you're doing something off your, your, your regime, or if you're just, you know, religiously punching the clock as part of this several month process or whatever it is, either way, you're, there's something good about it. You know, like there's a couple of times recently I've gone to the gym and you guys are going to cringe, but I would go in after, you know, I was just really motivated. So I'm not trying to get out of the heavy weight at all, but I was actually using medium weights, really like contracting muscles. You know, I was doing like, uh, Olympic-style squats, and then I would go do leg presses, you know, the same way, just purposely getting a big pump in my legs, you know, because it's sort of fun to actually see, the, you know, the vascularity and all that stuff as you start to get lean. Is that is right. that the pizza guy? Uh, it's the American Lung Association. I'm hanging up on him. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I know it's the number one killer, but yeah. okay. Um, anyway but yeah, so I mean it's, it, it's it's not an attempt it's just it's that it's a it's it's an alternate path it 's not purely an escape route where you know oh hey i 'm out of here i'm actually really motivated, but oh yeah I'm actually using these lighter and medium weights and just getting huge pumps and doing even doing a couple of high rep sets and actually feeling pretty good about it because I know next week i'm going to go in there and heavy squat again or something, mm-hmm. so but you know a, a, again with the bodybuilding thing. I can't just heavy squat. I'm a big fan of keeping it heavy in a contest prep phase, but uh you know, if that's all I did in, you know, really broad stance kind of uh power squat, my ass is going to be huge and you know and I'm I'm I might not get it quite as much pop out of certain other muscles. So I do think there's a time for that. And I think, I have said oh. Sorry, I'm interrupting here cuz I want to say a point and I've
1: said this to Lonnie many times. If you have the genetics to have good legs, there is no reason. Oh, they're they're back online. There is no reason why you should not be able to build world class legs with 500 and less pounds. In fact, I think probably the best bodybuilding legs ever have been probably built with between 300 and 400 pounds.
0: Yeah, you know, three I'm not, 315 I'm not, fifteen will do it. Oh
1: yeah, I think so. And too. I'm not saying that these guys have not gone heavier at times. I'm just saying that. I think if you have the potential to have world class bodybuilding legs, you should be able to develop world class bodybuilding legs with 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 somewhere between three and five hundred pounds.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I think you it's know, instinctual, right? You could you choose that day. Like I walked in, I'm like, you know, just don't have it. And let's face it, some days you, it's not just hormonal or supplement or whatever. I can be jacked on caffeine and still just feel like my nervous system's burnt or you know I'm not in the groove in the squat so I'm like you know what I'm just going to really you know fry my quads I'm going to pump out and do something you know something a little bit different especially yeah. right now because I'm going for that sort of dramatic effect you know I don't I don't want just a giant christmas ham Hanging off of each, you know, uh, or
1: just do, you know, or and and there's endless ways. What, which is why I find the people who always refer to training with weights, they're like, "Oh, it's so boring." Though I'm like, "Are you mad?" I mean, it's I I rarely go into the gym where I'm not nervous. First of all, like literally nervous because I I you know I have a a given weight number and you know, but there's also it's like there's endless permutations of exercises that you can do or way, fa- ways that you can fashion the actual workout. I mean, on days that, like Lonnie's talking about, like say you're doing your lower body. You know what? Do everything in reverse. You know, like when I used to be a bodybuilder, I used to do this. You know, so I'd go in and say, okay, you know what? I'm going to start off with leg curls, and then I'm going to go do some stiff leg deadlifts. And then I'm going to go and I'm going to do leg extensions. Then I'm going to go and do some hack squats. And th- then I'm going to go and do my my back squats.
0: Oh, I, is this your exposure to Bob Kennedy? This sounds like the whole pre-exhaust thing. Wasn't that one of his? Well, no, his... no,
1: no, no. I'm just no, no. I'm just saying in a way to kind of in, in much the way same way you're talking about. Line. I'm just saying it. It's a way to kind of I mean, you know, make quote unquote exotic a workout that when you go there, you know that you're, you know. Y- y- this is not the day to kind of push your strength limits on the squat or something, but you still do see the value in being in the gym. and You want to do something. Yeah. So you think, okay, well, what can I do to kind of to switch excel. this around? So, right. so it's what actually is still challenging, but it's not challenging me in a normal way or a, um, a standard um, poundage way for myself. And that can have huge, huge benefits as well, too, because sometimes – you 'll actually discover weaknesses that you never knew you had because you kind of get into a rut of you know the, the order of which you do things or or something like that, and you can again you can find you can educate yourself massively again on your tolerances right. and what maybe you can work more on and those types of things
2: well look oh, at no, th- I
0: mean, look at phil I'm, I was just going to say phil, you were just saying how if you 're pulling like thirty pounds lower than you know what you know you 're capable of, why are you going to try to force the issue no it 's part yeah. of the periodization cycle i 've got it this is heavy day. It's stupid. Do something yeah. you can excel at on that day.
2: Exactly. And that's, you know, I mean, that's where it's, it's building an escape routes. I mean, I have my own ways of doing it, and, you know, everybody figures out theirs. But, you know, and I agree on this, you know, do something different, day. That's like last week. I What did I do? You know, it was going bad. weights, So I did push-ups. You know, I just went and did a crap load of push-ups. And I haven't done push-ups in a while. And, you know, people might look at me, hey, he's a power lifter. this night. He's supposed to be moving these huge weights, and he's just moving himself. But you know, and I got sore, like I haven't been sore in a long time. I did hundred and twenty three yeah. push ups or something total, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's yeah. like damn, but uh yeah, and that's, but you know that's, you that's, make that's sure time
1: to time. you know, I always say you make sure that when you do decide to stay in the gym and train, whether it's a good day or a bad day, make sure that you win at least on one thing, yeah. You know, and, and I know Phil totally agrees with me because of his whole concept of not failing with reps and stuff like that, which is certainly a very powerlifting-esque kind of vantage point, you know, versus bodybuilding, and going to failure and those types of things. But in whatever it is, a poundage, uh, you know, your technique, um, you know, the, the, quality training, which, you know, the concept of the, you know, decreasing all your rep, getting the same volume in with, you know, in a smaller duration of time, um, whatever, you know, always make sure, even on days where you are, Week, make sure you leave the gym having won at something. Yeah. Yeah. you know, I, I think I, that's I, very I, important because you want to program success into yourself that, you know, um, even when you're
2: not at your best, you can still win at something. Yeah, I have a good concept for that too, and I just used it Monday. I knew it was going to be a bad day. I've got this cold. I feel like heck. I haven't slept good. I go in there and I picked out an exercise I don't have a PR for. I've just never done. And then no matter what, it's a good day. I won. I set a PR because I'd never yeah. done the
0: thing. You're good at that, yeah. Phil. You always I try went to find and a new, a new creative yeah. PR. Yeah. I
2: went in and, and, uh, what the heck did I do? They have a front squat harness. So I put a front squat harness on and I was squatting down to foam. It was like, well, I had no, what, they're like, what are you going to do today? I said, I have no clue. I've never done this.
0: <laughs> so it went well. You know, I mean. Uh, okay, guys. Great idea. I'll tell you what. Let's take a quick break for just sort of uh, public service ads, and when we come back, uh, I want to ask you guys a very hard question, which is, uh, talk about intangible. When is it time to compete? Fortress, what is best in life? If you need a break from listening to these barbarians and you want to read something intellectual, check out the library at www.ironradio.org. The feature article this month is about a conference that took place in Canada, an exercise physiology conference, where the researchers were literally trying to answer questions like the optimal number of sets and intensity for maximal protein synthesis and muscle growth. There's other juicy material there like the effects of cortisol and adding more fat cells to your physique over time, how women recover better than men, and tons more. So if you're interested in reading as well as listening, check out www.ironradio.org and our article library. Thanks.
1: This is Rob Fortress Fortney, and I'm here to let listeners know about the upcoming Strength Workshop co-hosted by Iron Radio in Las Vegas, Nevada this coming June. Stay tuned for details. Simply listen to www.ironradio.org, also on iTunes, and check out the site as well. Hope to see you in Vegas, where some of the industry's smartest and strongest guys will be waiting to talk shop with you.
0: Okay, listener, so we're back and we're about to talk about uh, another type of intangible. I have two here, but this one is, seems to be really a challenge. When do you decide it's time to compete? Because boy, you're not going to read that in a textbook. So Phil, I know you had something to offer there.
2: Uh, I say last week. You know, I mean, I think that's the biggest problem most people have is they're trying to wait and wait and wait for the right time. It's never going to be the right time. The time to sign up for meets today and just get the first one in. That's it. If you have, if you have a passion to compete at some point, you've got to just step in and do the first one. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, it's never too soon because no matter what after that, then you're just you've done it and now it's just bettering yourself.
1: Yeah. Oh, I ahead, totally on. totally agree. I I totally agree with what Phil's saying. I mean, I like the fact that he kind of like inserted the whole concept of if you know as long as competition is important to you because again, for me it's much less important to me than I know it is for Phil. Um that's not better or worse, that's just But yes, if you have a desire to compete and that's one of the goals that you have, Um, you just have to compete. Um, you just have to, I remember, I remember my first bodybuilding competition. I was doing exactly what Phil was suggesting a lot of people do. I was like, oh, it's not time. It's not time. It's not time. It's not time. And then one day I was in the gym. I thought, you know what? It will never be the right time. So I just saw something on the wall and said, okay, that one right there. And you, you, it's really that simple, really. Um, and if, if competition, is important to you um, i i there's a one off so you can say you've done it or you're trying to move into something where you're doing this now regularly you have to start somewhere and somewhere is basically as soon as you
0: can uh, sign on the dotted line yeah. well i'll tell you I, I we've done two episodes of experiments versus experience in the last couple of months one was about what it what's competitive level in bodybuilding and the other was what's competitive level in strength sports. And John Mike was on the strength one, and he was saying, "Listen, if you can military one plate on a side, bench two, squat three, and pull four, man, put your name on the dotted line, you know, because it, you're it, you're not going to embarrass yourself. And that's the key. And I think when a lot of people head into these things, and I and I know we talked about this in the past, that bodybuilding may be a little bit more personal. There's a other other things involved here, you know, like extremely low body fat and a very long probably 12 month cycle to to do this but at the same time you know you, you can't say listen even though i want to be good and let's face it i personally do not get on stage unless i'm going to do some damage i am not going to you know waste my time uh, like phil said you know when i do something i'm going to be freaking good that's just where you kind of draw a line but at the same time you can take that first show and say listen i'm going to give myself permission to say this is a warm up this is not the, my end all be all final meet, you know, or, or competition. I'm going to go get some experience, build some confidence, kick as much butt as I can. And then, you know, maybe in preparation for a somewhat later event. Uh, so that kind of gives you permission mentally to say, listen, I'm not a failure. I'm doing this as a warm up. I'm not saying give yourself excuses per se, but give yourself a chance to, to compete, uh, and get your feet wet in a stepping stone kind of way. And I think that's one of the reasons I decided to compete this time. Things just sort of lined up. You know, I was, I was just getting sort of motivated looking at a lot of vintage, uh, bodybuilding stuff, old Zane videos and even Platts and all those guys. And I, I was getting sort of motivated. I'm like, you know what? Listen, I'm master's competitor now. What the hell am I doing? I, I don't, I'm never gonna be like 280 pounds shredded on growth hormone and, and a whole bunch of other stuff, you know what I mean? And again, not taking anything from those guys. They look fantastic in their own way. But I'm, I'm an amateur, right? I'm an amateur competitor. So I wanna do really well, and I definitely wanna best my past performance. Especially right now at 42, I'm like, listen, I'm gonna look better than I did at 33. That's what I wanna, that's what I wanna be,
1: you know? But you know what the thing is also, and I say this to people all the time, whether it be bodybuilding or powerlifting or weightlifting, or you know what, it takes balls oh, yes. to get on the posing dais, to get on the lifting platform. It takes balls, and I have nothing but you know, a good you know, respect for anybody who goes into the powerlifting meet, goes into the Highland Games meet, goes into the bodybuilding show. Because you know what I say, like I've done powerlifting and bodybuilding, and I say to anybody, I'm like, you know what, it takes balls. It does. Cause it's nerve wracking. You know, in their own way, you know, in one, you're walking on stage and essentially a tree string and another, you're getting under weight and, you know, hoping that you're not going to completely blow yourself out. And I mean, so you know what? You're a winner no matter what you're doing. If you're going in there and you're performing, you know, to the upper limits of what you have at that given moment, then you know what? Hats off to you. I'll clap for you and I'll say, you know what? Good stuff. Exactly. Good stuff. You're a winner. Whether you get trophy or not, you won.
2: And I know I don't know about bodybuilding because I've never done it, but you'll see that across the board in strength sports. You know, I don't care if somebody comes in there and they they barely deadlift one plate on the side, or, or I've seen little kids come in and do, you know, sixty five pounds. You're people are going to be cheering for you. You know, that's just the way it is. You know, they don't really care. You're in there doing your best. You know? and that's one
1: of the things I like more about um, the whole kind of more pure strength sports and bodybuilding, and is is the whole. Bodybuilding is less about that, and I like the more family, friend, warm atmosphere of strength sports because there is a lot more of um, people cheering um, for people that they don't know or strangers. Just because it, the, people get involved in another person's efforts, right? And if you are, if you see that somebody really is trying their best, and like I said, they put themselves out on the line there to go and do that, and they're putting their all into it. If you're any sort of a decent human being, how can you not applaud that? How can you not cheer for that? How can you not wish for that person to do the best that they can do?
0: Fortress, let me read you something here. This is from uh, my buddy Ben, who is a grad student of mine, and he's he's a natural pro bodybuilder now. Listen to this quote from Teddy Roosevelt. Now, this is a man quote. It's not the critic who counts, not the one who points out how the strong man stumbled or how the doer of deeds might have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred with sweat and dust and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short and short again, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, and spends himself in a worthy cause, who, if he wins, knows the triumph of high achievement, and who, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat."
1: How about oh my that? god, I got I got goosebumps, man. Teddy I got goosebumps. Roosevelt. Yeah, you got to send me that quote, man. That That's really a man mean. quote.
0: Yeah, it is, man. There's nothing estrogen soaked about that. <laughs> All right, <laughs> hey, I have one more question for you guys, and after the competition one, this sounds maybe a little bit minor, but when it comes to eating, uh, you know, how do you know when you're depleted? Versus when you're just sort of wussing out and, and pigging out. Like Phil will talk about before, he and I were discussing this, of course, that, hey, if I want a milkshake and I'm feeling, I'm in hard training, I'm going to take it in and I know that's going to fuel me in a good way. How do you know when you've just got the munchies and maybe it's, uh, you know, it's not to your advantage versus when you shamelessly just go for it?
1: You know, I'm going to start off only because I don't have a lot to add to this. Um, Lonnie knows this about me. Food is not a weakness for me at all. Um, Like I, I don't even really crave food, even just normal food. I'm, I'm, food is not a weakness for me, and that's not you know I'm a champion in myself. I'm just saying you know that's not one of my weaknesses. So I don't really ever find myself having the munchies. I know when I you know um, pop open the can of Coke and I back it down in thirty seconds. Um, because that's such a rare thing for me. Like I might do that once a month. I know that I'm doing that because for whatever reason I can feel that my body is just craving massive sugar or something. Um, because normally it's it's not within my nature to to i never buy potato chips i never buy i never buy ice cream i don't buy that stuff it's not mm-hmm. i don't really care the only thing i ever enjoy really is maybe a pizza and i eat pizza not i enjoy pizza but on the same side i use, i use pizza for a training tool you know yeah, a couple yeah. days before i i mean you know yesterday was my heavy squat day right so starting sunday i ha- had a large pizza sunday and i had a large pizza monday You know, and I did that specifically for. Now I enjoyed it because again, it's one of the few foods that I actually do enjoy. But I did it also with the purpose in mind that you know this is going to be my my rocket fuel for two days from now. Um, So I always eat heavy going into a workout versus after the fact. Um, Not that I don't eat heavy relatively afterwards, of course. But again, I don't have too much to offer for that because again, food has never been my. I'm not a munchy guy. I'll watch a movie and I I've never ever felt the need to be munching on anything really. Um, I mean, I, I'm a beverage guy. I mean, I'll, I'll gladly have a nice tea or something like that and just, you know, just nurse that for three hours watching a movie. So that's my two cents.
2: Um, I, you know, it's, it's easier to address, I think, when you're in strength sports because you're in a weight class. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, if you're in your proper weight class, the weight class you should be in, then, you know, if you're light for your weight class, you just need to eat more and that's it that's plain and simple so that that's where i you know i really got drawn to weight class events because i was i was wrapped up in the whole physique stuff before and worried about weight and this and that and you know you go in there and the fact is an abdominal you know showing abdominals never did a thing in the real world so you know i mean they never picked up weight i never saw them really run down and chase down a woman and bring her home You know, (laughs) whatever. Um, but so that makes it easy. Um, I think for the, for the average person, it's more, um, I really like basing it off of performance. If your gym performance starts to suck and you've been on a lower carbohydrate diet, then it's a pretty good indicator that you can go kick back some and, uh, you know, then see how the next day, the next training day, see how it, how you react. And likely it'll be a positive nature. If you're just feeling flat, you're feeling ran down, Um, your body's asking you for something. And if you've been purposely restricting something, it's probably asking for that.
0: Yep. Yeah. I think in bodybuilding, I was going to say in bodybuilding, sometimes that flatness or that fatigue, it shows up visually a bit more, you know, cause when your body fat single digit or even like low teens, you can start to see that stuff come and go a little. Like I was, I was over dieting. You guys know I was losing weight too fast and, um, you know, I started, I really almost doubled up on my carbs for a while and it felt fantastic. And boom, you know, I'm much stronger in the gym. I'm much fuller in the gym. Like you said, you know, my body's saying, Hey, where's the, where's the carbs, man? You know, what did, what did you do? And, you know, so if you're losing weight too fast, you can monitor some things too. But I also think there's that intangible nuance too. I mean, when, when I feel depleted, I'll take in almost anything, like you were saying, Phil, with the milkshake. Or you know, and let's face it, even milkshakes have some value, you know, if you really think about it. And uh, we're not talking about just mindless munching of hash browns or something, you know. I mean, there's a there's a time where, you know, you you right. feel like you need it, and then I'll just I'll take I'll take it in. Like right now, it's a little bit different story for me. But at the same time, there are times in the year where sometimes I'll get the munchies and eat a bag of corn chips or something, like blue tortilla chips or something with salsa or or something like that. And there are times when I do that where I'm like, well, I'm completely drained. You know, I need this bad. And there are other times where I sometimes I feel like in the evening, I'm just getting the munchies and I don't know, especially this time of contest season, I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, obsessive, but That call is maybe from my body fat instead of from my muscles. And you can almost sense it. You know, like that's just low leptin munchies versus, oh no, take it in. You're drained, bro. You're going to get sick. You know, that kind of stuff.
2: And I mean, a lot of that comes in from, you know, like I said, I mean, if if you're restricting something, we'll say it's carbohydrates in this case, and, and you're feeling bad, you know, you have some kind of symptom after several weeks. You know, you see people, they try and, instead of, instead of fixing the root of the cause, they're trying to patch it up with caffeine or this and that and this and that.
0: Yes, yes.
2: You know, if they go right to the root and just feed themselves a little carbs, you know, a nice little dose, they're probably going to feel a lot better and it's not going to hinder them in any way and it might help them.
0: Actually, I think it helps a lot. I think about bodybuilders. They always get overexcited. They over, they do too much cardio, lots of high intensity interval work and all this kind of stuff. And they, they cut their carbs almost to zero from yeah. day one of their diet. And then these guys step on stage 80 pounds lighter. Yeah. And, oops. You know. <laughs> but,
1: you know, you, you said something, Lonnie, once like a decade ago that has stuck with me forever. The whole concept of, and, and, you know, I, I use, I use caffeine, black coffee before I train. That's pretty much my caffeine intake. But you said something years ago that I, that I thought was wonderful and you were like, you know, there's a point where, you know, you just have to, as, as Phil's almost kind of saying, you have to back up just to the nutrition portion. I mean, you know, you can, uh, and the quote that you said was something to the effect of, and you'll probably correct me, but something like, you know, like, it's like throwing gas on a fire that burnt out a long time ago. Oh, you know, yeah, I mean, ca- lighter caffeine, fluid. yeah. Yeah. Y- yeah, and, and that was, it, that's not verbatim, but it was basically what you said, and I, it, it really did stick with me, cause I was like, you know what, cause yeah, caffeine can be a huge tool, but I mean, if you're not ultimately you know backing that up with um with wood on the fire, yeah then ultimately you're just it's dead it's gone like you say you're throwing letter fuel on a, on a fire that's way past burnt
0: well, I look you at know. it there's two kinds of logs you can throw on the fire there's a big eight hour log of sleep or nine or ten even uh and th- and then there's a big you know uh i don't know seventy five or hundred gram carb meal or you know thirty grams of fat or you know food logs so there's sleep logs for the fire and there's food logs and yeah you can sprinkle all the caffeine in there you want and that's just lighter fluid on barely burning embers there's just no yeah. fuel you know yeah.
2: while we're on the topic of food and, and refeeding i love the fact that they're forcing fast food chains to put nutritional calorie values on the menus
0: yeah how about that
2: because now i can go and pick out the highest calorie item
0: at the lowest cost <laughs> and get the
2: biggest bang for the buck.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm like searching, where's the high-calorie
0: one? I'm going to live by curiously <laughs> to you guys right now.
2: <laughs> they had the dollar menu at Arby's the other day, and I'm looking at it, and I was like, man, a roast beef is only 200 calories? And then you go to the junior chicken, and it was 500 calories.
0: Yeah. For Mr. the same Pink. price. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Target your intake percent. for maximum yeah. calories. Yeah. Exactly. And it's yeah. like, man, that chicken thing
2: doesn't taste very good, but it's more than twice the calories. So I got those. Yeah. So.
0: All right, guys. I think I, we're out of time. So yeah, we're out of time. Yeah, yeah it was a good show. Yeah, I think it's a good stuff. At least for beginners to say, hey, you know, there are a few things I'd I need to figure out, you know, about listening to my own body, and, and you know, we're not full of crap. <laughs> it really does happen. It really, you'd really start to get some of these nuances and it's just not something you read in a textbook. So I thought it'd be good to have a show on it.
2: Just uh mention the seminar again. Like I said, it's going to be coming up in in June. Um, it's going to be in Vegas. You'll see stuff on the Facebook page, iron radio, Facebook page and strength field, Facebook page here real soon. I'll tell you, you get a great price for, for what you're getting. And um, even a greater price if you're a member of strength field. So you end up getting
0: $50 off. Sweet. So, uh, All right, check us out in Vegas, guys. Thanks a lot. For the best sports nutrition information on the planet, make plans to attend the 8th Annual ISSN Conference and Expo, June 23rd to 25th, 2011, at the Westin Las Vegas Hotel, Casino, and Spa. We'll have the latest on creatine, beta-alanine, protein, nutrient timing, and much, much more. So for more information, go to www.vissn.org. Hey, Iron Radio listeners. This is John Mike.
2: I just wanted to tell you about the American Society of Exercise Physiologists. It's pleased to announce the 2011 National Meeting on September 22nd,
1: 23rd, and 24th in Albuquerque, New Mexico. This will actually be the fourth time the National Conference has been held here in Albuquerque. This three-day event will be held at the Radisson Hotel and Waterpark, New Mexico Sports and Wellness at the University of New Mexico, and partly hosted by the Exercise Science Program here at the University of New Mexico. Go to www.asap.org to learn more about this exciting conference. Thanks so much.
0: Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like Iron Radio, if you like what we do, uh, the education, interviewing uh, industry personalities, or many of the pro bodybuilders or coaches that we've had in the past, Uh, please just click on the donate button at www.ironradio.org and make a donation. We've had some great donations from people that have kept us going. Thank you so much. Uh, so please visit, uh, the website, click on the donation button, or if you like, uh, and it's a similar situation, buy some Iron Radio cool stuff. We've got t-shirts and mugs and things like that, and those things help support the site and keep us on the air. The Iron Radio Podcast.